Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast this week. Just as a quick reminder, this is your official spoiler alert. If you have not seen Scream, I highly, highly, highly recommend that you go watch this awesome movie before tuning in to our thoughts today. So if you haven't seen it, go watch the movie and then tune back in to hear our thoughts on the movie. Coming up, we've got a full house in the studio today. My guests today include Alex Klo and Jackson Naylor, and we are going to be talking about Wes Craven's seminal horror film about Ghostface, a serial killer who uses the rules of horror movies to determine whether his victims will live or die. After multiple attacks throughout the town of Woodsboro, Sidney Prescott and her friends must use their knowledge of horror trivia to their advantage if they want to make it out alive. I'm, of course, talking about the 1996 game-changing slasher film Scream, that's coming up next on The Cinemaniacs. everybody, and welcome to The Cinemaniacs, the show for the Maniacs for Cinema. I am your host, Jack Lindner, and in the guest chairs with me today, we have fellow IU students Alex Klo and Jackson Naylor. Gentlemen, how are you today? Doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good, man. Pretty darn good. Real quick, before we get started, I just want to establish real quick, when did you guys first see this film for the first time, and what was your initial reaction to it? Uh, I think it was in, like, middle school, and it was my first scary movie. Oh, really? Uh, my dad marketed it to me as, oh, no, it's going to be really funny. And I think he got it confused with the movie Scary Movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I was not expecting that opening scene. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I was also in middle school, so maybe it's like a middle school thing to watch that movie for the first time. I, As a kid, I was Ghostface for Halloween, so I think that was the reason I wanted to watch it. It's like, oh, I'm just character from a movie that I've never seen as a kid, so let's see how it is. And at that point, I loved horror movies, so mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting it to like be referencing all these things, the rules, and I just fell in love with it instantly. Oh yeah, I'm I'm the exact same with you guys. I think I was probably about like maybe eleven or twelve or something like that the first time I saw it. And yeah, it's it kind of shocked me the first time though, because while your dad probably was thinking of scary movie, there are a lot of really funny elements to this movie yeah, too. Yeah, for sure. Like it is definitely a it's definitely a horror slasher movie. Uh, just given with that very first scene. But there's a lot of really good parts to this movie that are so funny. Yeah. And we'll, we will get to my absolute favorite <laughs> character in this movie. I, I don't know if he's your guys' favorite character, but I'm just going to go and say it. Matthew Lillard is just phenomenal in this mm-hmm. movie. I have Absolutely. no idea what he's doing, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so another quick question about this movie do you think it still holds up uh 25 years later i just realized the other day that this would be the 25th uh, really? anniversary of this movie wow. yeah uh, 1996 well, i believe did you see that they're making a new one yes sir yeah. yes i did yeah, i was, I was actually sure. my next one then too so it was uh but yeah it's uh, do you guys still believe after all these years this movie still holds up I, uh, I just saw it last night, and I think definitely it does. It draws from all these old horror movies that we're now nostalgic for, mm-hmm. and we can now be nostalgic for the original Scream while still having it hold up today. Definitely. And we have all these remakes coming out, all mm-hmm. these new media with Ghostface. And I think, you know, paying tribute to the original, it's a fantastic movie still. Absolutely. I think, yeah, absolutely still holds up. Yeah, definitely. Jackson, how about you? Oh, this movie absolutely still holds up. I mean, we still see slashes today. I mean, they're remaking, they remade Halloween. They're mm-hmm. making remaking yeah. a sequel to Halloween. We still see slashes and these rules that it's parodying still yeah. apply. And it's it, it's still very uh, definitely. today. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. So going in to a little bit more of the lore of that, about the rules and all the tropes that it would call out, it's probably one of the first movies that ever acknowledged these kinds of things. I'm not sure specifically if it is the first. It probably isn't. But it was one of the most... Uh, impactful, I'd say, just because of how well it handled the subject matter in terms of uh, looking at the rules and the tropes and all that of horror movies. So, I mean, to me, it seems like right off the bat, it lets the audience know that they live in the same universe as them. Casey yeah. gets the phone call, and immediately the the killer on the phone starts talking about Halloween, you know? Like, I had never seen anything like that before yeah. in a movie. Like, it, and I didn't even, I wasn't even alive when this movie came out the first time, you know? So, like, what do you, what did you guys think of that? How... Like, 
just how right off the bat and how forward it is that like these characters they are the same as you you know how did that impact you guys when you first watched it yeah i've heard it described before scream that it's a both a parody of horror movies while also still being one mm-hmm. and from the opening scene how they're referencing halloween and then they start talking about jason's mom and all of these different things yeah. it's like okay this movie's definitely going to be a bit different it's not going to be this conventional michael myers killing everyone it's going to be mm-hmm. i can really relate to these characters and when i watch these cheesy horror movies i'm like oh i can survive that i'll be able to outlive them and outthink them exactly but in this one it changes all those rules because it's like these characters know they're how to f- defeat jason and michael but they're still dying from Ghostface. Mm-hmm. so it's like i don't think i would survive if i was in this movie they do the things that like we normally say like you were like you were just telling me like you know oh i'd, I'd do this you know well these characters do that and like even though they follow the rules of these horror movies they still suffer you know jackson what do you think uh i think i think out of those lines at the beginning where they're referencing the horror horror movies uh they mentioned nightmare on elm street and she says oh yeah the first one's great but after that they just get really bad Mm -hmm. and i really liked that touch because it's also really playing up the idea that horror those slasher horror movies are getting really stale nowadays yeah and this is a world that understands that and it's they like that's why the rules work so well. It's because we've seen this a million times. I'm glad you brought that up, actually, because I think it's really funny and super ironic, obviously, because she's like, oh, well, the first one was good, but the rest sucked. And it's just really funny because Wes Craven was the one who created that whole franchise Absolutely. there. And she's and he's having one of his characters say that his movies suck, you know? Yep. So it's kind of funny there, just a little bit of irony there. But yeah, going along with what we've been saying, just about the rules and the tropes and all that, to me, I've seen it follows a lot of those same rules, but it also, but what this movie is known for is that it breaks all of them, you know? Like, some of the main ones, obviously, is, like, killing off your, what we assume to be your main character yeah. within the first 12 minutes of this movie, you know? Another one is, like, Sydney not being a traditional final girl, you know? She breaks the, one of the core horror movie tropes is that if you have sex, you're gonna die, you know? And, like, uh, another important one that I think is really important to note is... The semi-mini plot twist at the very end where there's two killers in the end and not just yeah. one. What, what did you guys think of that the first time you saw that? Because to me, I was completely blown away. I had no idea you could even do that in a movie. <laughs> and they were just like, yeah, there's two killers. Whenever it showed the two killers, uh, whenever I saw Billy, mm-hmm. of course, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah I, yeah, I guess I saw that coming. I did not see Stu coming yeah. at all. That yeah. actually blew my mind. Uh it wasn't even really so much the two killer thing that even blew my mind. It was just like, stew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because, well, because yeah, I, I totally agree. Because once you see uh, Billy shoot Randy with the gun there, and he's like, "We all go a little mad sometimes," you know. Yeah. That's when you're like, "Oh shoot, he's the killer," and you think that Stu is going to be her salvation. You know, she turns to him, she's like, "Help me, help yep, me, help yep, me," yep. and then he just slowly lifts up the voice recorder. <laughs> Surprise, Sydney. You know. <laughs> I'm totally with you. That that blew my mind. Like, Billy is always that character where it's kind of in the back of your mind, and you're kind of like, well, I don't know, but then the police exonerated him, so I'm not sure. Like, could it be him? I'm. I, it's so confusing, you know? But then uh, they explain their whole plan, and it's like, oh, well, then obviously it was Billy, you know? Yeah. So... I don't know. It, it, that that was just totally that that was what I was thinking. Alex, what about you? Well, yeah, even him faking his own death with like uh, what did they use to replace with the bones? Uh, like corn oil or something? Uh, corn syrup. Corn, corn syrup. syrup yeah. Yes, yes. Like even that, it's like okay, it's obviously not him. It's probably just gonna be one person because yeah. there's not a lot of other people left at this party. Mm-hmm. It's like that, that was a really clever thing I thought they did. I completely forgot about that part too. You yeah. know, like he fakes his own death or they're so like oh yeah, so then it can't be Billy. So who else is it then? You know, and. Kind of going along with that a little bit, they this movie goes out of its way to make every single person a suspect. Randy's yep. line is totally true, you know? Like, to me, it seemed like in other slasher movies that we knew who did it. So in terms of, like, the mystery aspect of it, like, nobody could be the killer. So it's like, when it comes to this movie, it's also a mystery movie. And so mm-hmm. it, this movie goes out of its way to make everyone a suspect, you know? Like, what what are some of your guys' favorites? Like, throughout this movie, you know, like, there's one example, like, with the sheriff, they show his boot, you know, the close-up of the boot, and then, like, earlier in the bathroom, they show that same boot coming down, you know, kind of hinting, like, could it be the sheriff, you know? Like, is there one in this movie that you guys, like, it kind of stuck with you, just, like, it really confuses, like, maybe it could be this guy? Were you, were you ever, like, duped at some point into thinking it was somebody else? I always thought that it could have been Randy, especially the first time I watched it, I thought it could have been Randy, yeah. because I, I, I was young, but I still picked up on the fact that this was 
had some rules aspect to mm-hmm. it, and Randy was the guy who knew the rules. He was just goofy and stupid enough that I was like, oh, this is this is subversive. I know what's happening here. Mm-hmm. I, I, I get this. Uh, I, I don't ever know if they really pointed, tried to point you there, though. Randy's a very pure character yeah, in that so, movie. Definitely. <laughs> and I feel like if this movie was made today, uh, that would kind of be the suspect that would end up being the killer in the end, you know? Like, the least likely person that you would think is the killer ends up being the killer. That kind of seems to be, like, a sort of, kind of a rule in and of itself that we're yeah. kind of seeing now a little bit. Not just in horror movies, but even in just, like, detective movies kind of, too. So, uh, some other things that I was thinking about... Uh, we, I touched on it just a little bit earlier, but something else that this movie does differently is that these killers in this movie, they're human. They're yeah. just like you and me. They're not a Michael Myers. They're not a uh, uh, Freddy Krueger, you know? They're not invincible, and you could see that in that final scene. Yep. Yeah, I thought it was really funny how in a lot of the movie, Ghostface is falling. He's tripping over himself. Mm-hmm. He's getting yeah. flipped around. I almost I was thinking last night like maybe it's because of the mask he can't see that well yeah which humanizes the character even more because and you know in the Halloween movies he's never like really stumbling all that much he's exactly. very confident definitely in Ghostface he feels like he's kind of unsure about everything but he still wants to kill it's, yeah yeah that scene in the garage where he's just like flailing around like yep. Tatum's throwing the beers at him and stuff like that. <laughs> That whole scene alone, it definitely, like, reflects a lot of what Scary Movie ended up doing, you know? Just this bumbling idiot for a killer, you know, just making it really funny. Side note, one of my favorite scenes in that movie is when he's hiding when the killer's hiding behind the couch. He's like, do you know where I am? And his feet are, like, peeking out from behind the couch. (laughs) He's like, you're behind the couch. He's like, wait, what? (laughs) I love that scene. Uh, But back to this movie, though. Um, One final kind of trope that I thought this movie kind of broke a little bit, actually, was the fact that Gail Weathers lives in the end. I, I don't know if it specifically is like a trope or anything. I could be wrong, but this is just kind of my own little theory. But it's the fact that like, you know, she's this super self-centered, selfish character. And normally in a lot of slasher movies, you see those kind of victims get that comeuppance at the end. You know, like the killer gets them in the end, you know. But this movie, rather than doing that, Wes Craven decides, you know what, no, we're going to change this up a little bit. Wes Craven and Kevin Williams and the, the writer of the movie they decided to change it up a little bit. Instead of this person just being completely self-centered the entire movie, we're going to give him an arc, and she's going to come through and save the day in the end. You know, I yeah. thought that was really admirable. What do you guys think? That's that's something that this movie really tried to do with the subversion of these old slasher movies. Is there was a lot of judgment in these older slasher movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people who did bad things died, and there wasn't really ever a chance to fix that, remedy that. These characters, just if you're bad, you're going to die. And that's something that I know Kevin Williams and Russ Craven wanted to steer away from because yeah. that, that gets into some treacherous territory, especially, you know, with the virginity stuff. And, yeah. you know, like, but with Gail, yeah, they, they gave her a chance to not be such a bitch, you know, like, it, it's great. Definitely. Alex, yeah. what do you think? Yeah, I think it almost humanizes the human characters in this movie even more that a character that's very selfish and self-centered mm-hmm. in, you know, these old horror movies would most definitely die and the audience would cheer because, oh, they were terrible the whole movie. But exactly. this one, it's like, oh, she ends up kind of saving the day in the end. So and it's you like, end up liking her. You end up kind of always... liking her throughout the whole movie. There's moments where she's like, oh, okay, maybe she's making some sense or maybe she's not all that bad. Yeah. Exactly. And so all these tropes and rules that we've talked about, this is something that Scream does so, so well and at, at exposing and things like that. But for me, not so well in the sequels. What do you guys think of the sequels? I want to hear your opinions on these. I have big opinions on the sequels. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I think you guys are probably not going to agree. Okay. I think the second one is in some ways better. Oh, really? Wow. I am very interested. Keep going. Keep going. Um. I think the whole way it sets up the idea of a sequel and the way it plays on the idea of a sequel is actually extremely clever. Mm-hmm. I don't particularly care for the killers. Yeah. Uh, 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 Laurie Metcalf and uh, uh, so, some other guy. Yeah. Uh, I don't particularly care for I think that one was great. The third one, I think, is pretty awful. Same <laughs> I, here. Same I here. hate the third yeah. one. I do like the fourth one, though. I think it was pretty decent. Yeah. yeah Alex, go ahead before I get mine. Yeah, I just find it interesting in the original Scream how they do parody how horror movies become sequels and they become awful, and then Scream kind of became that in it a way. Ca- yeah, it became <laughs> the thing that it kind of feared of being. Yeah, with the you know the MTV series now, which I haven't seen, but yeah, Scream two, three, four. It, it just I don't know. I think uh, they're not horrible sequels by any means, but mm-hmm. it just is interesting that you know they kind of became the thing they were parodying in the original. Exactly. Yeah. 
com- compared to like the Friday the 13th movies and all the nightmare movies, all the Halloween movies that came out right after those, this franchise I think is probably one of the better ones, you know? Cuz I I kind of like Scream 2. I think it's pretty good, you know. I don't think it's bad by any by any, any means or anything. Yeah, I'm also not a huge fan of the killers or anything like that. I felt like I could have used a little bit of a better motivation there, but that's probably just because I love Matthew Lillard so much in this movie. <laughs> yeah. I uh, think it at least had a lot more love put into it yeah. as a sequel than yep. many other slasher sequels, and I find that very admirable about Definitely. it. And yeah, especially because Wes Craven was behind the camera for all of these before he passed away. I think that definitely was a huge, uh, that was a huge uh, uh, improvement for this franchise because he was there for the whole thing and he was able to watch over these movies, even if Scream 3, not a good movie, you know? <laughs> At least it still had the original director with it kind of working it out, you know? And and Scream 3 has a troubled uh, production throughout uh, just due to many of the national events that were going on at the time, but that's for a different episode. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. Moving on a little bit here. So, to divert a little bit away from the actual crafting of this movie, the marketing of this movie, I thought was very admirable. We'll get into some of the the deeper behind the the scenes things, but the fact that they centered this whole marketing campaign around Drew Barrymore's character, yeah, I thought was a really brilliant idea, especially as it reflects probably the beginning of the slasher genre, Psycho. You know, Alfred Hitchcock's classic there and you know, promoting Janet Lee and things like that in that movie, I felt it was very admirable for this franchise to pay tribute to that by putting their marketing team around probably the biggest star in this movie. What yep. do you guys think? Yeah, that that is a very bold um, thing to do. I think I've heard that she was originally casted to be the main character, but she wanted to be the person yes, in the yeah. first scene yes. to make kind of like, oh, anyone can die in this movie. This mm-hmm. isn't going to be your typical horror movie anymore. Definitely. I I wasn't al- alive when the movie originally was in theaters, but mm-hmm. yeah, as an audience member, knowing the tropes of old movies with Jamie Lee Curtis and all these other characters who've become heroic and mm-hmm. saved the day and they're heavily marketed, seeing them just gutted in the first 15 minutes would be like, okay, definitely. where's this movie going to go now? Yeah, yeah. Jackson, how about you? Uh, the marketing is pretty great. Um, I don't know. Was Nev Campbell in any other big movies before this at all? Do in, ter- you know? in terms of films, not much, no. But she was on a show called Party of Five, which was very, very oh, popular, and she was a great, she was a great actress in that show. Uh, but this was really, yeah, her big film. I shouldn't say it was her debut. I'm not sure exactly what her debut was, but it was the biggest, it was the biggest film that she was ever in, and it was the one that put her on the map, obviously, uh, besides Party of Five, but. But yeah, other than that, not much really. You know? I mean, then that makes a lot of sense why they wouldn't market her as like the big one. Because mm-hmm. I mean, it, honestly, a movie called Scream with this no-name, another no-name actor who's like going to be in a slasher movie. I feel mm-hmm. like anyone would have passed this up. It's got Drew Barrymore. Like, mm-hmm. like I, I'll get like. At that time, I'll be like, okay, I'll go, I'll go see the new Drew Barrymore movie. Yep. <laughs> like, even as a kid, Drew Barrymore was really the only one that I knew from this movie, besides uh, Matthew Lillard from being in the Scooby Doo movies, <laughs> which I watched <laughs> religiously when I was a younger kid. Uh, but yeah, besides those two, yeah, Drew Barrymore was really the only one that I knew in this movie. And so yeah, I remember the first time seeing it, I was even impacted a little bit. I think I knew a little bit about what was going on before I watched it for the first time, but still, it's still shocked me there at the beginning that the fact that she was killed off you know mm-hmm. so and like you guys have been saying it's a very effective thing though it was a huge risk but it ultimately ended up paying off you know because it makes the audience feel that no one in this movie is safe yeah. anyone can die if drew barrymore dies in this movie you know <laughs> so uh, another thing that i really just admire about this movie we've talked we touched on it a little bit but the fact that even though it is the beginning of of a new generation of slasher films, it still takes the time to pay homage to all the greats and the classics. We talked about Psycho earlier, but literally this movie idolizes Halloween like no other movie I've ever seen, you know? It praises this movie so much. What do you guys think of the original Halloween? Oh, I love the original Halloween, John Carpenter. That's one of my favorite horror movies, um, (laughs) and I just love what they do with it in this one, how they play the soundtrack in one of the scenes. Yes. They're talking about Jamie Lee Curtis as an actress, a lot of it. Mm -hmm. uh, Randy's watching it for a part of it. Yeah, I just, just, yeah, just really great. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, Halloween, I literally got goosebumps the second you said Halloween. I love (laughs) Halloween so much. Halloween is one of my favorite movies ever. I can't think of a better suspenseful movie. And I think Scream does a good job of emulating that suspense in a, in a different way, though. Definitely, you're not you're not as scared as the Ghostface Killer as you are of Michael Myers. I yep. feel like. Oh I, yeah. Whenever you see 
the ghost face killer running around. He uh, he looks really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> he looks really silly, and I think that's definitely a big reason why he got a spoof franchise based off of him. You know, <laughs> so uh, we talked a little about the opening scene. I want to delve into it a little bit more though, and the way it's constructed. It's often probably considered one of the best intros to a movie ever made. Do you, would you guys agree with that? Yeah, I think it's very suspenseful. It gets kind of the point across, kills the main person you think is going to be the hero at the end. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, what what else do you guys think? It's up there. It, it, I don't think it's the best, but I, I think it's definitely up there. It's a huge contender, I think. I definitely think it could be in the top ten. But, I mean, another question I have for you guys is just about the way it's constructed, you know, this movie is basically a story before the story. Yep. It has its own beginning, middle, and end there. It has, you know, uh, exposition, rising action, climax, and uh, resolution there at the end. It's its own story before this story, uh, before the official story begins, you know? To me, I, I want to hear what you guys think, but to me, I think that is the absolute best way to start a movie because more often than not it will succeed at helping and like if executed correctly it will help get your audience invested in this movie and it will yeah. help them want to stay towards the end i mean some other examples you know there's the dark knight with the bank heist robbery the yep. very beginning of the dark knight that's its own story before everything happens you know it introduces the joker it tells a very exciting and gripping story all in the first like 10 minutes of that movie you know there's the opening scene to Inglorious Bastards when Christoph Waltz comes into uh, into the farmhouse mm-hmm. and it's just that conversation. Even though it's a conversation, it's a setup and 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 payoff. And I shouldn't say setup and payoff, but like it's a very well executed first scene, beginning, middle, and end. Uh, even Pixar movies like Up, yeah, you know, I was gonna say that. Yep, I yeah. mean it's it's got its own story there at the beginning, and you end up crying before you even <laughs> meet more than two characters there. And probably the biggest one, the biggest example of this beginning, middle, and end is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like, it's another iconic opening scene where Indiana goes into the temple and he gets the idol and he's just trying to escape. You know, what do you guys think? Do you guys agree with what I said earlier? Like, is this the best kind of a way to open a movie? If not, what do you guys think? Absolutely. I think you're showing the audience that you're going to deliver. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, all those things, those movies you've said, what they have in common, it feels like you're watching... A short film yes. before you're getting into the real film like you can watch that opening scene to scream and be satisfied if that was just all that was left there i feel like you're letting the audience know you're delivering on a like you're going to deliver on the promise this is going to be good mm-hmm. you can give a satisfying end and you can subvert the expectations in scream's case by killing drew barrymore uh, i i think it's incredible yeah um one thing that I wish about a lot of movies, uh, when I start watching them, is like, man, I could I could have really skipped the first fifteen minutes of that movie. <laughs> yeah, it's just them getting out of bed, eating breakfast. Oh, mm-hmm. hi, friend, you're gonna be my friend throughout the whole movie. Yeah, it just it gets really repetitive. So when you change it up and you have this little short film at the beginning, like Up and the Glorious Bastards and all of this, you get really intrigued and you're like, you're kind of like, okay, what's going on? Who are these characters? Mm-hmm. And it's a really fascinating way to get to know them and know their motives and everything without kind of explicitly stating them. Yeah, it, these kinds of opening scenes are very clever ways, I think, to also, you know, like I was talking about earlier, it introduces your characters. It sets up your the world that this film is set in, you know, yeah. and I think it's a very, very effective way to start a movie. And that's not to say, like, movies that don't do this are bad, you know. It's just that it seems to me, at least, movies that open on this kind of an opening, are they tend to bring me in, they 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 tend to be the ones that like make me want to stick to the very end more than other ones, you know. Yeah, it's also just what you remember about movies. I exactly. Mean, I, I whenever uh, I quote movies with people, a lot of times it is the first fifteen minutes of a movie. You'd be like, oh, it's one of my favorite parts. Or... Definitely. Yeah. Okay, so we are going to go ahead and move on to the main categories of the show here. So the first one that I have is budget and box office numbers. So just plain and simple, you know, this movie was made for fourteen million dollars and it ended up grossing hundred and three million dollars. Which honestly kind of surprises me a little bit. It wasn't a huge hit yeah. on its first release. Like people saw it, but it wasn't like this massive like cultural phenomenon. You know, does that surprise you guys? I don't know if it surprises me that much because, I well, I, I guess the numbers do surprise me actually. But the I, I, it doesn't surprise me that it wasn't a huge cultural phenomenon because I feel like a lot of people who saw it probably didn't get it. At first, yeah, I would imagine because I'm sure they were literally all expecting 
like another slasher movie. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone really got it, and I doubt people would have gone back to seeing it a second time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. When when did this movie start to really take off? Do you know? Yeah. I mean, so it, it gained a semi kind of cult following, but I think it's more of just because of like VHS. And, you know, like yeah. this is also the era of, you know, the video store, you know, yep. like they gained national attention, you know, because Quentin Tarantino worked in a video store, you know, so like a lot of people went to these stores to like basically like get their own kind of film school, you know, these people who <laughs> yeah. worked there were the experts on like what to watch. So I think once people started to realize how influential Scream could be in terms of like, Comment, commentating on the slasher film then i think like that's when the vhs started to really skyrocket for this company you know what are your what are your thoughts on the release yeah uh, he said something uh, pretty interesting there when it's like people might have thought it was just another slasher movie mm-hmm. and not really know what's going on because this is before a time of like you can go to reddit and see oh this movie's a lot different from all the others yeah it was really kind of word of mouth go to the video store and, and the guy's like oh yeah this movie's really meta you gotta watch this horror movie it's not exactly. like all the others yeah, he just sounds like an asshole like okay <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> yeah calm down but yeah i'm really glad that you brought that up though just the fact that people didn't get it even in pre-production, a lot of people didn't, the, the directors that they went to didn't quite get it, you know. I mean, a lot of people, I could definitely understand that then, now that you brought that up, like, why it wouldn't have been as big of a hit as it was at first, you know. Uh, but even, aside from all that, it grossed $103 million worldwide, but that still meant that it was the highest grossing slasher film of all time until being surpassed by, ironically enough, Halloween in 2018, Oh yeah. yeah. Really? That movie made a lot of money? That movie, that movie made a lot of money. I saw that movie in theaters. I'm, I'm a fan of the new... No, I think it was pretty good. I just didn't think it did that well. I know, yeah. It, it's interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, I think it's super funny. It's just that got that irony to it that this screen pays so much homage to the original Halloween and it idolizes it and yeah. it treats it, you know, just like the Ark of the Covenant, you know? It, it is the... <laughs> quintessential slasher movie you know and so i think it it seems only fitting that the the movie to take over that title as the top grossing slasher would be the next franchise uh, next saga in the halloween franchise you know so uh for the critics rating on imdb it's got a 7.3 out of 10 do you guys think it deserves to be higher or lower i'd put it at like an eight probably yeah eight out of ten it's it's got a few problems i think yeah uh yeah but uh it's it's pretty great. I I mean, it it's definitely not sitting anywhere below seven point three. Oh so. yeah. Oh yeah. Alex, what about you? Yeah, no, I fully agree with that. It's definitely not below a seven. No. Um, seven point five. That would be pretty fair. I would more give it an eight, just because I'm I have a very bias towards horror movies. I love them so much. So mm-hmm. I probably would give it an eight. But yeah, I think that's a that's a fair rating. I'm exactly with you guys. You know. I can I can understand from the critics' perspective why someone would be turned off by some of the aspects of this movie. You know, like some of the menace can kind of be on the nose, and I, I definitely yeah. get that. You know, and I can also see some of the performances within this movie, especially Matthew Lillard. Even though I freaking love Matthew <laughs> Lillard in this movie, I can definitely see though why some critics would be you know turned off by uh, those kinds of performances in this movie. Though, uh, in terms of awards and nominations, no love for the major uh, award shows or anything like that. That's no surprise, just given how often you know horror films are yep. snubbed at a lot of the the big uh, horror, uh, a lot of the big uh, award categories, I should say. However, it did win three Saturn Awards for Best Horror Film, Best Actress for Nev Campbell, and Best Writing for Kevin Williamson. Uh, Wes Craven, Skeet Ulrich, and uh, Drew Barrymore all also got uh, nominations for their parts in the films. You know, so the Saturn Awards uh, being the awards for science fiction and horror films and other kind of genre films and stuff like that. So, at least they got that stuff. Yeah, I you got know, that. <laughs> like it's it, probably... it definitely deserves some love for the writing. Definitely, I, 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 like Wes Craven obviously had a big hand in this, but Kevin Williams is he's the yep. absolutely. Like, I've read the script several times. Yeah. It's really good. <laughs> it, he's the literal mind behind this whole thing, you know. He's the mind behind this whole project, you know. And going into that, we're going to go into the production history and the kind of the timeline of it. Uh, Kevin Williamson, like you said, he was actually inspired to write the film after watching a news story about the Gainesville Ripper, who was a serial killer who actually preyed on college students in Gainesville, Florida, which it seems a little bit contradictory, you know, because this movie also has a lot of commentary on how people view violence how the media i should say views violence you yeah. know uh especially with after events like columbine you know the, the the news and the media was very quick to judge the movies and video games and things like that and it's kind of it's kind of ironic that that's how this movie actually came to life was actually based off this real life horrific tragic event you know what do you guys think yeah what is it that matthew lillard says 
uh, at the end, whatever. He's like, the, Nev Campbell's like, what oh. are you gonna? What are you? How are you gonna explain all this? And he's like, uh, the movie's made me do it. Like, like peer pressure. Or something. Yeah, peer, pure, peer pressure. Yeah. yeah, like that. That like, I think in that moment they're trying to show how kind of dumb that idea is. Yeah. Like they 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 knew what they were doing. They were obviously really fucked up people. Before seeing anything, I think they said, I, "No, no, yeah, I remember." They said, "Movies don't create killers; they create more creative killers." Yep. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to go with. Yeah, Skeet Aldrich's line then, right after that, basically, she's like, "You've seen one." Too, uh, uh, Sydney says, "Like you, you both have seen one too many scary movies." And he goes, "Movies don't create psychos; they make them more creative," which I think <laughs> is definitely a huge line in that movie, just yeah. like a, in terms of the commentary and how the media treats this uh, treats violence in the media too. So, uh, but yeah. Going back to what uh, you guys were actually saying earlier uh, about how the intro is kind of a short film, how it feels like that, it actually was. It was like an 18-page draft for just a short film at first, but then after he wanted to focus more on the project, Kevin Williamson actually secluded himself inside of a Palm Springs hotel room <laughs> and knocked out the script in three days, hey, the yeah. <laughs> first draft of the script in three days. I think that's just phenomenal. What do you guys? How about you guys? Uh, whenever I'm writing a script or anything, that's usually how I do it. It's mm-hmm. I, I got to get it done as fast as I can or just not going to get done or, or I'm going to lose my vision or yeah. it's going to I'm going to change perspectives and I'm not going to be committed to it. So mm-hmm. I think that's a very admirable way to write scripts is just lock yourself in a room be focused on it and just just get it done yeah not just like get, not not only just getting it done but also like you're just in that headspace you know your characters and you want to just make sure that you get all of your ideas out onto the page before you move on you know yeah and a really funny thing is when he was pitching this after he wrote the first draft he actually also wrote two five-page outlines for potential sequels <laughs> to come after this movie so basically he was going to sell this whole thing as like a package to yeah. producers you know and those two outlines ultimately ended up becoming Screams 2 and 3, you know? So I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, so Miramax ended up writing the, uh, buying the rights to, for the script for $400,000, and they reached out to Wes Craven to produce, or not to produce, to direct, and he actually turned it down at first. Did you guys know about that? No, I didn't. I did not know about that. He was actually busy. Uh, he had so, a lot of scheduling conflicts because he was also busy doing The Haunting at the same time. But uh, after production stalled for that film, he actually ended up becoming available, and he then later went back to uh, Miramax and accepted the offer to become a director. Uh, in case he couldn't do it, other directors that they offered it to were going to be Robert Rodriguez and Sam Raimi, just uh, just to name a few. You know, what do you guys think about that? How how do you think this movie could have been different with those guys behind the director's chair? Did you just say Robert Rodriguez? <laughs> yeah. Thank God. <laughs> F- fucking ghost face would have been CGI. Like, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, that. The, the, thank God Wes Craven came back. The, that would have been a disaster. Oh, yeah. it, I feel like if Sam Raimi was behind the director's chair, I think it would have been really good still. I just think it would have focused a lot more on the comedy aspects of yeah. it, too. You know, very yeah. Evil Dead like and things like that, you know? What about you? Yeah, no, I fully agree with that. Um, I think the, what Wes Craven did to it was very uniquely kind of him. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone else really could have done it like he did because he kind of balanced everything very well where I feel, feel other directors would have focused really much on the comedy mm-hmm. or really on the uh, slasher aspects. And it was just like this really healthy just balance in the whole movie that, yeah. It was, it was a good mix of both, definitely. Uh, yeah, you guys were talking about this a little bit earlier, but yeah, Drew Barrymore was actually originally ca- uh, cast to play Sydney. Uh, Sydney yeah. Prescott, the lead role, but just due to scheduling conflicts, she had to actually drop the part. But she also wanted to lobby to play Casey instead because she thought, like you guys were saying, it would be such an impactful thing for the audience to see probably the biggest name in this movie to get killed off in the first twelve minutes. You know, so very, very smart, very smart uh, way of thinking there. Mm-hmm. It, it was actually pretty funny because her casting and her, really just her expressing interest in this movie was what got this movie the level of stardom that it did because Wes Craven saw that Drew Barrymore wanted to be in the movie. So he's like, okay, after he became free, uh, after his schedule became free, he's like, okay, she wants to do it. I'll do it then, you know? So, and I think also Courtney Cox was inspired by that. You know, she saw that uh, Drew Barrymore wanted to do the movie. So like she really drew in all, a lot of the big, the big star powerhouses, you know? Yeah. uh, But yeah, speaking of Courtney Cox, she actually wasn't considered to play Gail Weathers at first, and I think she does a phenomenal job in this role. Absolutely, yeah. She was not considered due to her uh, playing Monica on Friends. That was basically the whole reason. She played a lot of really nice characters, and she was very known for being likable on screen and stuff like that, and so they just didn't. the producers didn't think that she could do it, but she kept lobbying for the role really hard, and she said 
that she wanted to play a quote bitch character. That's <laughs> really what she wanted to do. She wanted to change up the typecasting and all that. And I think that's really admirable. What about you guys? Uh, very convincing, Courtney. <laughs> you did a great job because I love David Arquette a lot, and every time she bitched him out, I just <laughs> felt so bad for him. So I know, and including uh, the. Uh, uh, Kenny, the cameraman. Yeah. yeah. Oh, poor Kenny. <laughs> he's, he got, yeah, he got it rough in that movie. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He, he He's not quite my favorite character, but he was an honorable mention for me. I freaking love Kenny. He's so funny like in this movie. Cheetos in the van. Yeah. <laughs> no, but she she's fantastic in this movie. She really is. Oh, she's, she's great. She yeah. does a great job. Uh, but going back to it a little bit, actually, we were talking about the movie Scary Movie and the spoofs and all that. Yep. This movie's original title was actually Scary Movie. Yeah. Did you guys know that? I yeah. did know that. I forget why they changed it. It was really interesting. I forget why, but... Really, it was just because the producers wanted them to change it. That was basically it. Yeah, right. the producers at Miramax uh, didn't like the title Scary Movie, and so they wanted to change it, and they were actually inspired by the Michael Jackson song of the same name, and they just said, we want the title to be Scream. And so they were very reluctant. Kevin Williamson and Wes Craven, they have actually both said that they originally hated the title screen. They both oh, didn't yeah. like it, but after the success of the movie, they actually just later then retracted their statements and they're like, okay, you know what? It actually is a pretty good title. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, It's funny that Scary Movie then became a franchise that I was know. parodying Scream. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys, do you guys think that would have changed how this movie would have done at the box office if it was called Scary Movie? How, how much of an effect do you think that would have had if it went through and actually was called Scary Movie? I feel like it maybe would have gotten across better to people that this was obviously going to be a little more tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. Because whenever I hear Scream, I am, like, 100%. Like, that sounds like a cheesy, like, 80s slasher movie. Yeah. yeah. It really comes off that way. So it, if it had been named Scary Movie, I feel like it might have done better, to be quite honest. But it might have also made it sound a lot cheaper, you know? Maybe. I'm totally with you there. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, that, yeah, what he said with, uh, I'm just imagining seeing a tongue-in-cheek movie called Scary Movie. I think I maybe would be more interested in seeing it in theaters if it was just called Scream, because that's like, that could be anything. Yeah. If it's just called Scream, it's probably just going to be a normal slasher movie. Mm -hmm. But if it's Scary Movie, it's like, okay, this is going to be a little funny. Maybe I'll even come into it thinking it's going to be more of a comedy if yeah. it's called Scary Movie. So. Absolutely. I totally agree with both of you guys. I think you guys have hit the nail right on the head with that. Since it's called Scream, people think of it most more of a slasher film, you know, but when they hear Scary Movie, and it's probably because of the Scary Movie franchise that we think of this, you know, but if yeah. you hear the movie Scary Movie, then it also is like, okay, is it actually supposed to be scary? It could be more of a comedy, you know? So I feel like I totally agree with you guys. If it was named that, I feel like people would have maybe gotten it a little bit better, you know. But who knows? I still love the title. I still think it's great, you know. Absolutely. Uh, okay, moving on to the next category. What do you guys have for best scene? Best scene is I love the first time Sydney encounters the killer mm -hmm. and they're wrestling yeah. on the ground because this is one of the things I love about the killer is that he's so human is whenever he like just – like he, you can see that he's just fed up and pissed off because he's obviously not winning. He just picks her head up and slams it on the ground. Yep. Like Jesus Christ, give me a break! And I, I always thought that was just a great scene where you're like, okay, this guy's really uncoordinated. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and she also in that same scene she lists another common trope. Yeah. You know, like she's running up the stairs when she should be going out the front door. You know, but then she ends up doing that exact same thing <laughs> like, in that scene. I always thought it was because they did this thing in the movie where she did try to go through the, to the door for a second, but yeah. it was one of those chain locks. Yeah. It was like you're, she fiddled with it for like five seconds and couldn't figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, one of my favorite scenes, I don't know, uh, this is kind of a weird one, but it's when Cindy's in the bathroom in the stall. And oh, she's really? hearing what the other girls are talking about her. And uh -huh. she's like, it's just this really real moment in the movie where she's like feeling all these emotions and she's really unsure about herself and what's going on. Yeah. And I don't know if you really get that in a lot of other slashers. Definitely. Yeah, I'm with you there. That first half of that scene I really love because of the reasons that you were saying. But I'm so confused about the second half when Ghostface just suddenly appears. Yeah, that, yeah, that that's, yeah, that was the that, dumbest scene that in part that makes, movie. <laughs> yeah, that part makes no sense to me. Like, if they needed to cut anything, that was probably the one I scene agree. I would go to. Because, I agree. Like, just that half of the scene. That's all you need to cut. It's just, like, when Ghostface appears there. And it's gotten me thinking a little bit more. I mean, could that have actually been Billy or Stu or... Because we've seen like these guys like in yep. this in the ghost face costumes running around the school pranking people, could it have been one of those guys? Do we think? 
Yeah, that's what I thought watching it again was, okay, maybe that's not Billy or Stu, because in the previous scene we saw this kid pulling a prank where he's running through the hallways as Ghostface. Yeah. But then he does have the knife and he is trying to kill her. So it's, it's so like weird. Yeah, it's a very weird scene. Like, why was did he knew she was gonna go to the bathroom? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's such a strange thing. I mean, that's the only like reasonable explanation I can come to. But even if it is supposed to be like one of the, uh, one of the uh, just pranksters, you know, I still yeah. don't like it. I still don't like that half of the scene. It still makes no sense. You yeah, know? Like, especially since the first half I felt is a really really good scene and it yeah. serves a great purpose. But yeah. then the second half, it's like okay. He's just in the stall. He, he, he's there now all of a sudden, I guess, <laughs> you know? Okay, uh, do you guys have any more nominees for uh, favorite or best scene? Uh, my other one was when Randy's on the couch and he's saying, like, turn around, turn yeah. around. <laughs> Those faces right behind him. Right behind you, Jamie. <laughs> that, that seems hilarious. It, it's, it's even great because it's even more, it's like the most meta moment of the whole thing because yep. his name is also Jason, uh, Jamie Kennedy, obviously. So, like, when he's like, Jamie, look behind you. <laughs> Jamie, he's right there. He's, like, talking to himself, and I just love that scene, yep. yeah. Uh, Jackson, what about you? Uh, I. Any other nominees or no? I don't think I have any more nominees. Okay, so I'll just go ahead and rattle off some of my favorites. Uh, but yeah, obviously, Casey and the Ghostface opening is a very close second for me, a very close second. Uh, I love the video store scene when Stu and Randy are talking to each other <laughs> yeah. about well, like shit, I forgot about that who one, they yeah. think the suspects are. You know, it leads to one of my favorite lines when he's just screaming at the top of his lungs, "Everybody's a suspect!" <laughs> I love that line. Everyone turns and looks up. <laughs> I, I love after that moment. Yeah, when everybody looks at him, Stu just like makes like a weed like kind of like yeah, symbol. Yeah, yeah. He's like, "Oh, he's just been smoking pot." You know, it's like what the hell? It's so weird. Uh, that scene's also great because it. I love the whole movie guy Randy character is yeah. set up really well because people are yeah. just like, hey, I'm looking for like something really easy. And he's like, werewolves in London or something. <laughs> he's like, that section right there. Yeah, right. You know? <laughs> and that's like what we were talking about earlier about how these video store clerks were like the guys to go to in terms of like who to talk to about movies. And really like Randy is our audience he's like he's us in the yeah. movie he he is who we are we know about all the genres we know all the tropes and he's the one that's personifying that in this movie he's probably the best character that we can all relate to you know yeah absolutely uh another scene that i love is when randy explains the rules at the party he goes there are certain rules that <laughs> yeah. one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie and he lists all of them off that's one of the best scenes probably one of the best lines known from the the whole film is when he rattles them all off you know absolutely I also love at the very end when uh, uh, Matthew Lillard gets up and he's like, I'm going to go get a beer. You <laughs> yep. want one? I'll be right back. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, but, I do that all the time at oh, parties. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but for me, no other scene is better than the Ghostface reveal scene at the very end. That is when Matthew Lillard is giving it. He's not giving it 110%. He's giving it 1,000%. Oh, yeah. He is giving it his all. He is not afraid to make a decision and i love it as an actor i love just what he does because like he's so confident in himself and he's just like i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna give it my all because this is also a comedy it's not just a scary movie it's also a comedy i'm just gonna go over the top and i don't care you know and i think it's really admirable he's just for best line over half the lines that I have listed yeah. are all from <laughs> that too. final scene. Yeah. He's so freaking funny in that oh, scene. Yeah. And just like, just, he's so, such, he, 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 all the decisions that he makes, I fully support and I think are awesome. So moving on to that, best line, what do you guys have? What are some of your favorites in this movie? Easily whenever uh, Sydney's toying with him on the phone and he's just like, I don't know, peer pressure, man. I just, <laughs> or, I'm far too sensitive. Yeah, I'm far too sensitive. Or uh, I think uh, uh, Billy is uh, messing with him or something and he goes, uh, oh my God, I'm blanking. I just had it in my head. Oh, what the hell does he say? What scene is it? It's it's in that scene. Oh yeah, no, no, they're stabbing each other. Yeah, oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and he's just like, I'm feeling a little woozy I'm here. I'm feeling man. a little woozy here, man. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. What about you? Uh, we mentioned it before, but it was the the uh, the psychos and the oh, yeah. the creative. Yeah. Oh yeah. That, which was also during the ending scene. But, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh man. So some of my favorites. I love the very beginning, like as a serious line, I love the very beginning when Ghostface says, because I want to know who I'm looking at. Yeah. 
Yeah. First time I heard that, chills down my spine. I was so scared in yeah. that moment because I hadn't seen that first scene before. And so he, she's like, why do you want to know my name? He's just like, because I want to know who I'm looking at. And then, oh, that was so scary for me as a kid. Uh, I explained it earlier. Everybody's a suspect from Randy when he's in the video <laughs> store. Yeah. Love that line. He just screams it at the top of his lungs. Uh, I love. Uh, I said it earlier. Uh, Randy explaining all the rules. Uh, we, you guys just said it earlier. I'm feeling a little woozy here from <laughs> Stu. Probably my favorite line, and there's actually a really funny fun fact that goes with it. I love when Stu is in the kitchen and he's like laying out. And he's like, I think I'm dying here, man. <laughs> yes. And Billy takes the phone and he throws it and it hits him. Yes. I love his line. He just goes, you fucking hit me with a phone, dick. <laughs> I love that scene so much. It's so funny. Like a funny, like a fun fact behind it is like, apparently that was all practical. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. uh, Skeet Ulrich accidentally let go of the phone and it actually hit him. <laughs> yeah, and that was like his genuine reaction. <laughs> and Wes Craven loved it so much that he kept it in the movie. And it, I'm so glad that he did because it's so freaking funny yeah. in that moment. Yeah, apparently there was a lot of stuff because the corn syrup was just so slippery. Yeah. That like it just, it created so many like bloopers that they actually just kept in because oh, it was yeah. too good. Oh, man. Moving on to best character. I think you guys know who my favorite character is. I love Stu <laughs> so much. He's my favorite character in this whole movie just because of that final scene alone. Like he probably would have been my favorite character even without that scene, but with that scene included, he just knocks it out of the park then. Yep. I think it's incredible. What about you guys? Favorite characters? Uh, I really like... I. I, I always get his name confused with the scary movie spoof version of him. Is it Dewey, the co- the sheriff? Yeah, yeah, Dewey. Oh, yeah. Dewey. Yeah. I love him so much. Oh, really? He is so pure and just so, <laughs> like, like he he obviously is trying to fill the trope of that really dumb cop who has, like, no idea what's going on. Yeah. And he does it so well, but he does it's, like, in a very compassionate way. Yeah. And I, I love that about his character so much. Like, speaking of that compassion, I love that that just short line that he has when uh, Tatum like calls him over and she's like, what is she doing here? Like referring to like Gail Weathers. Yeah. And he just looks at her and he's like, she's with me, man. <laughs> like, he's so excited. <laughs> I like to see when he's talking to the police chief and he's just like eating an ice cream cone. <laughs> like, that's so on character. It's so good. Oh, it's uh, so funny. Alex, what about you? Yeah, I really love uh, Randy, how he's the character that he like he's us in the movie. He's going mm-hmm. over all the rules. He's very meta. A great character. I also love uh, Tatum, the Oh yeah, the, the I think she's very supportive. Uh, she's like, oh, the way you punched her back there, yeah, like scenes like that. Uh, yeah, it just again, you don't get that in a lot of slashers, like that supportive friend role, definitely. Who's also a great main character and has her own like story and definitely. arc. Definitely, yeah. Everybody in this cast gives it their all, and they're all working so hard and so clear and obvious, and it definitely pays off. Like everybody knows what this movie is; they understand the meta aspect behind it. They yeah. understand their character so well, and I think it definitely puts this film at an advantage there, and I really love it. Uh, for me, yeah, uh, like I said earlier, I love uh, Kenny the Cameraman. <laughs> I was going to say that too. He's, one of my, he's a special <laughs> shout-out for me. I love Kenny the Cameraman. He's really, really funny. Uh, uh, but yeah, moving on a little bit here. Uh, going to some behind-the-scenes knowledge and fun facts. We've already mentioned a lot of them beforehand, you know. Uh, just one fun fact about the ghost face mask was that they actually found it inside of a house while uh, location scouting for the film. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, a producer found it and told Wes Craven about it, and then they immediately started looking for the rights to the uh, to use the mask. And then that same producer, actually, the cloak for the ghost face uh, costume was actually originally supposed to be white. It was yeah. supposed to be all white, given the fact, you know, he's a ghost and all that. Yeah. But that same producer who found the mask actually... Uh, suggested that they change it to black to make it more menacing and i think it definitely pays off absolutely there. definitely yeah, imagine trying to hide in the dark and all <laughs> in all white. white get dirty yeah, <laughs> seriously you take one tumble and it's ruined <laughs> <laughs> definitely agree definitely agree. no it's really interesting i'm like wondering how different the movie would be if they never found that mask what, I know. what would it be I know. you know i don't i think all the script called for was literally just like a ghost mask or something like that that's yeah. all it said and then they found this mask and it was just like it's at basically any department store uh, department store that you can find yep. you know around halloween time so yeah it's so iconic to the series definitely like Definitely. Probably so, one of the most iconic horror masks like I can think of, like Jason's, obviously, but yeah, everyone Myers. knows the Scream mask. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Uh, okay, moving on. Uh, still about Ghostface a little bit. The voice of the killer was actually played by an actor named Roger L. Jackson, and he would 
on set, he was actually calling the actors on a cell phone. So, like, anytime Drew Barrymore's on the phone or uh, Nev Campbell's on the phone, they're actually talking to him on a cell phone mm. in that in time. So, it's pretty cool. And then a little bit more about him, he was actually kept away from the cast during the filming just so, like, they couldn't <laughs> associate a voice with a face. Yep. And so, like, it would seem a little bit more menacing there in the end. Uh, let's see here. Uh, one uh, here. Let's see. Sorry, moving on a little bit. Uh, so the actor who played Casey's boyfriend, Steve, you know, he gets tied up in the beginning, yes. the, the jock mm-hmm. boyfriend in the beginning. Uh, he's, he's an actor named uh, Kevin Patrick Walls, and he was actually a finalist for the role of Billy Loomis, uh, Skeet Ulrich's character. He was actually a finalist, but wow. he didn't ended up not getting the role. Wes Craven then offered him the role of Steve then in that moment. He's like, I mean, you're not going to be uh, Billy, but do you want to die in the beginning? You know, like, I just think that's pretty funny. Though. I'll take that. Yeah. Uh, do you guys remember the scene where Henry Winkler, we haven't talked about him whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. yeah, the fact that Henry Winkler's in this movie. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's in this, that yeah. is so odd. I know. <laughs> this movie has some weird castings, man. S- seeing the Fonz get killed there by Ghostface <laughs> oh is so <laughs> weird. <laughs> but yeah, do you remember the scene where he's looking out and he sees the janitor right there? Yeah, yeah. Freddy Krueger. Yeah, that, that, that's the director, That's right? actually yeah. Wes Craven standing there, yeah. Uh but yeah, just the, the what fact. Does he, what does he call him? He calls him something. He, he calls him Fred. He calls him Fred. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's Fred. He's like, sorry, Fred, or something. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, so I think that's so funny, though. Yeah, he incorporated himself there. But yeah, just the Fonz being in this movie is so <laughs> weird and so funny at the yeah. same time. It's just. Why did he get killed? Like, like. Because of, that's a great question. Like I, I forget why he got killed, but like I do find it really funny that like they were like, let's take this opportunity of a murdering spree to just get rid of our principal. Literally, no, <laughs> yeah. no, like that's basically how it worked. Though the producers of the movie, they told Wes Craven like this movie needs more kills in it, and so they picked the principal. But then Kevin Williamson actually took that and he worked with it because then he also had an issue at the very end of the movie on how to get all like the yeah. no name characters and all that to leave the house and leave the party. He was having a hard time like trying to figure that out, you know. So he actually used it. He kills the principal and then that phone call that Randy gets where he's like, "Oh, Principal Hembry <laughs> is dead." And so like that was where Kevin Williamson was like, "Okay, this is our opportunity to get all the no name characters out of the way." And so it's just our main characters there at the house at the final scene. So it's actually pretty cool. Yeah. So. It is pretty interesting. Uh, okay. Uh, I already talked about when uh, Skeet Ulrich throws the phone and it hits Steve. I already talked about that <laughs> one. I love that moment. Uh, oh, and actually, uh, a pretty a pretty uh, crazy one is when Ghostface, Sydney stabs Billy with yep. the umbrella. Yeah. You can actually see in this take, uh, in this actual take that we see in the movie, Nev Campbell accidentally missed uh, the protective vest that Skeet oh, Ulrich really? was wearing. And, he gets, and she gets him like like right above the chest, but like below the neck or something like that in the final shot. And she hits him there and it actually hit a previous wound that Skeet Ulrich had yeah. from a previous operation. Wow. And like his scream of pain is actually genuine because it hits him right there in the perfect, in like the sweet spot right there. So I thought that was so, uh, it was crazy, you know. But yeah, no. Wes Craven liked it and he kept it in the final cut of the film, you know. He uh, really liked the shots where his cast got abused. <laughs> <laughs> got hurt. Yeah. I know. It's it's weird, man. <laughs> uh, one pretty common fact about this movie, actually, was that the MPAA was critical of this movie. Yes. They yeah. submitted this movie at least, according to different sources, it all depends, but at least eight times to the MPAA to try and secure an R rating. But every single time it would come back to NC-17 because of the violence in it. I just think that's insane. What about you guys? I think one of the most defining features of the screen movies is how violent and gory it is Mm because it's almost over the top. It's one of the reasons why I like TV series is because it's it sticks true to that because it understands that that's something that like is very unique Mm -hmm. to scream. It's like there's a lot of guts and blood and more than most slashers. Most slashers is kind of a cutaway. Yeah. It's off screen kind of things. Yeah. For as as funny as this movie can be, it's really it can be quite intense sometimes, and it can. I'm glad it's kept the intensity. I mean, it goes to show that this movie is also a slasher, you know. Yep. So, what about you? Do you have any opinions on the MPAA uh, criticizing <laughs> this movie? I mean, I just find it, yeah, really weird. <laughs> I know. It, yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. Like every single time, it would always come back either like X slash NC-17 rating. So Wes Craven had to keep going back and keep cutting different things or like editing things a little bit, you know, just to make them happy, you know. (laughs) And it's actually pretty funny that led, so you know the scene where Drew Barrymore 
uh, dies in the movie, she gets stabbed. Mm -hmm. The MPAA wanted that scene like swapped for a different take because of how violent it looked. Mm. And Wes Craven was just so fed up. He was just he lied to them and he's just like, "That's the only take I have. Oh, That's it. Yeah, I, I can't do it again. That's the only take I have. It has to be in the movie." And they're like, "All right, whatever." <laughs> <laughs> he just lied to them and just said that that was the only take he had. Oh man. Okay, so just a couple final questions for you guys before we wrap things up here. Uh, we've talked a lot about the tropes and the rules. Do you guys have a favorite one that throughout this whole movie that they call out, or like, do you have one that? You honestly don't think it's a huge deal in in the slasher genre. It's like, oh, I think it's okay. You know, it's fine. It's whatever. I like the don't say I'll be right back. Yeah. (laughs) Because I use that a lot because I think it's extremely funny. Definitely. I think that's one of the best ones. I also like, uh, I I love the whole don't have sex thing. Like, they really played into that really well. Mm -hmm. I think they might have played into that a little too much. Like, Like Randy at the very end, he's like, I've never been so happy to be a virgin. Yep, yep, yep. The sin factor. He he ends up surviving (laughs) then in the end. (laughs) Alex, what about you? Uh, We touched on it before how it's like, Duh, the people running up the stairs instead of going out the front door because yeah. that's one I would obviously yeah just run out the front door but then in this movie they don't do that because yeah, they, they the tr- door's stuck or something exactly. like that unexpected things happen mm-hmm. so that was a very yeah one that stuck out to me probably one of my favorites is one that's said in the very beginning when Drew Barrymore hears the doorbell and she goes who's there yeah yes and then he calls right back he's like you should never say who's there don't you watch <laughs> scary movies and all that so I think that I think that's a pretty funny one that has very quickly died out, you know? Like, you rarely, like, that's one that you rarely, rarely ever see nowadays, I yeah. feel like. I just, like, who, who, whenever their doorbell rings, says who's there? <laughs> like, you agree with Ghostface. <laughs> you look through the people and you decide if you even want to fucking open the door first. Like, <laughs> very true, very true. Uh, okay, uh, since it is a slasher movie, do you guys have a favorite uh, kill of the movie? It's a hard one. Uh, Tatum with the garage door. The is garage a door. <laughs> we haven't talked much about that one actually. We talked a little bit about it earlier, but not much. Yeah, it's such a impractical death. Yeah, but I love it. No- uh, I love it nonetheless. Yeah, it's very mm-hmm. different from all the other ones. Yeah. It, it feels like a like a Friday the Thirteenth Part Eight kill, like some really goofy out there mm-hmm. way of someone dying, but mm-hmm. it's in Scream. So yeah, uh, the I don't know if you guys watched the YouTube movie, uh, YouTube show Dead Meat. Do you guys watch yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, Kill Count. Heard of him. Yeah, 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 definitely. So they've got a new show on their channel where they do, like, voiceovers of, like, different characters in the movies. Yeah. And James does this voice for Ghostface during that scene, and the garage door starts going up. He's like, no way. This is actually working? No way. I think it's so funny. Because, <laughs> like, that's what we all think of when we see that yep. that that scene. But it's great. I love it. Um, and Jackson, what about you? That's such a tough question. There's a lot. This, this is... Probably one of the few movies where I love every single kill a lot. Yeah, uh, Kenny's is probably the most anticlimactic. <laughs> Poor Kenny. Sadly, either but, that or the Fonz getting killed, man. The, I mean, that one is yeah. just that one is so funny to me. I can't take <laughs> that seriously at all. I, a lot of this movie nowadays is really hard to take seriously anymore. Uh, I don't know if I could give you a favorite kill. I literally love all of them. They're all really creative. They are. They are. It, like, really, a garage door? That seems like a joke. <laughs> I know. But then, yeah, like we've been saying, it, like, once you see it, like, yeah, we know it's impractical, but it's also like, that's really creative, man. Yeah. <laughs> and it's oddly brutal, too. Her mm. fucking neck gets snapped. I like, know. Ugh. Uh, so, yeah, my f- my favorite one would probably have to be Casey Becker in the very beginning, just because of how uh, how iconic it is. Like, not not necessarily, like, in the... Uh, not necessarily, like, you know, like, brutality or anything like that, but just because of how well it works for the movie itself yeah. and just how iconic that, that whole scene is, you know? But an honorable mention I have is actually Stu's when he gets crushed by the TV. Yes. And I think it's actually, like, oh, a I really... I forgot, yeah. I think it's a really creative one because not only it also says something about the movie and his character, you know, like he gets killed by the TV. What's playing on the TV? Halloween. And meaning like he gets killed by the very thing that he bases his own killings on, you know? And I just think that like for Wes Craven, I thought that was like really, really creative there in terms of like making a character's death, like, like mean something. It's so weird. It's such a weird thing to say out loud, you know, (laughs) but, but yeah. So uh, do you guys have like any uh, nits to pick with the movie or anything like that? We kind of talked about the bathroom scene already. Yeah. That was the only one that I have really. 
Uh, like I said, I love like even some things that critics will pan about this movie. I honestly love, you know. But do you have anything else that you guys want to talk about? With and when it comes to like nits to pick with the movie, I feel like sometimes it can be a little too on the nose. Yeah. Uh, which I think. I think that it can work, but I, I like, like especially with like the virgin sex thing. Like, I feel like that could have been something that was very largely just unsaid, and like people would just kind of like understand, mm-hmm. honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I feel like they did a good job with things like Tatum, though, where like mm-hmm. she's always supposed to be like like the archetypal horror character, mm-hmm. and they like they don't really play into that as much yeah and i i really yeah. i really like that and that's something that people can just pick up i wish they did more stuff like that definitely definitely yeah alex what about you um another thing uh when the principal dies i kind of yeah. thought it was weird how ghostface was at the school it's mm-hmm. like i feel like that's the last place you would want to be that's the place you would get caught definitely it's like how did he end up behind the door definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so that, it's, it's it's not that big of a deal because mm-hmm. it's like a cheesy like cheesy you gotta movie. suspend your disbelief you know? yeah so but it just it it drew me out of the movie a tiny bit I watching get it. it but. Yeah, I get it. it. It's a very it's a very strange death, and again, mainly just because the producers were like, "You need more kills in this movie yeah. if it's going to be a slasher," you know. So but I think it works fine. I think yeah, it, I it, I'm fine with it in the end, you know. All right. I mean, well, would you? Interesting uh, question. Do you? Would you have rather had someone else die instead of like the principal? Like who would who would, who would you have? Who would, di- you who would you have chosen? Who would I pick to die. Who would you have chosen? I don't know. A lot of people die in this movie, so I don't know if there is anyone else to choose from. I don't know. Maybe it's like when he was going out to his car, they could have killed him there. It was just weird that it was in his office. Fair that enough. Was the weird part. Yeah. I couldn't think of anyone I would choose to. <laughs> I don't know. A lot of the characters in the movie, in the movie are really, really likable. Yeah. You know? And I think that's part of the reason why people love it so much is that you, even if they're so wacky or whatever, you know, you can still, like, connect with them and you can still form that like for them, you know? Yep. All right. Well, do you guys have, uh, for my final question, uh, what is your guys' favorite thing about this movie and why do you love this movie so much? Like, what, what about it keeps you coming back time and time again every Halloween? It's just really funny. It, oh uh, it's just really <laughs> yeah. funny. This is a movie that, because I've seen it so many times, I can watch it with a big group of people, mm-hmm. and I don't feel like I'm missing anything because I've seen it so many times. It's yeah. just like, oh, yeah, here's this really fucking stupid part. We'll just watch this, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. it, it's 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 just good stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for me, I love horror movies a lot. It's one of the reasons I'm a film major now, and just to see this horror movie that's referencing all these others, playing the soundtracks for them, uh, quoting them, it's just kind of a perfect movie to watch during Halloween time because you get the best of everything during it. Totally agree with both of you guys. I love it. Uh, okay, so before we wrap up, is there anything else that we missed that you guys want to talk about? Anything else on your mind that we maybe didn't quite get to as much or anything like that? Uh, you should really check out the TV series if you haven't seen it. I need to. I'll, I'll, it's on Netflix, so it's, it's easy watch. You got to get past the whole MTV thing a bit. It's got some stupid drama. Like, <laughs> like these teenagers are obviously not 16. <laughs> um, but if you can get past that stuff, it's actually a pretty good time if you really like Scream. Yeah, I was just uh, wondering how the new movie is going to do. How... I know. Yeah, I, actually, that was something else I I completely forgot about. Yeah, are are you guys excited about this movie? And oh like, yeah. Uh, what What are you looking forward to the most about the new movie? I like that it has the original cast. Mm-hmm. I am a little concerned because it's it's going it's doing this thing that a lot of reboots like to do where they're being really gritty about it, mm-hmm. and I just don't think that's in the spirit of Scream. To be quite honest, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm still optimistic about it because I although the third one sucked, the fourth one I thought was pretty damn good, and I I think that it has potential to be really good. Yeah, yeah, me too. It's I'm really curious to see how they, uh, really how they tackle the the new wave of horror movies that we have. You know, like with A24 and Blumhouse Pictures. You yep, know, yep. a lot of different types of horror movies have been made that we haven't ever seen before you know hereditary the lighthouse things like that you know like those kinds of movies are very different they're not quite supernatural they're not quite uh these other things you know so i mean i'm really curious to see how this series tackles that like whether 
if they'll tackle it at all or if they're just going to stick straight to slasher movies and things like that. No, so, that's a very interesting point. I really wonder how they're going to tackle these new concepts and new movies. Yeah. I really hope they do because that would be yeah. very much on franchise and on par I'm, of what they should do. Definitely. And for selfish reasons, I'm, I get really excited whenever I can go to a theater and watch a movie again because, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of taken away from us. Mm-hmm. So uh, based on that and the nostalgia factor, I'm really excited to see this movie. I'm really curious to see if they'll drop like a Jordan Peele like oh, meta moment or something yeah, like yeah. that. You know, like they mention his name or something like that in the movie yeah, or any yeah. other directors, Robert Eggers or something like somebody like that. You I know? really hope so. Yeah, I think it'd be really funny. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening to the show. Guys, do you have anything you want to plug before we wrap things up? Uh, not really. Uh, I'll plug my beautiful smile that you can't see. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a YouTube, Alex Klo, A-L-E-X-K-L-O. Uh, okay. That's really the only thing I got. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, yeah, uh, where, can, uh, where can people find you guys on social media? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Nene. <laughs> it's it's nay with three y's and a period in between the nays there you go <laughs> all right um, i'm alex close 77 on instagram and at alex gamer on twitter <laughs> all right cool well thank you guys so so much for being on the show i really really appreciate thank it thank you for having us yeah, on thank you for having us. i thought it was great to have two people on here as well you know have a big conversation love all my guests beforehand just getting that out there uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were the best <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much again for being on the show. Special thanks to Andrew Briggs, our producer, and IUS TV for giving us all this platform just to make the show. Uh, And before we go, I'll go ahead and tease the next movie that we have coming up. Next week, we tackle one of the most mind-bending films probably ever made. It's a sci-fi heist movie that was a fresh new take on the science fiction genre, also thanks in part to its deep analysis of the subconscious. With all these ingredients put together, this movie seemed doomed to be a confusing, jumbled mess But, luckily, it came from the mind of a man who is a master at confusing his audience, Christopher Nolan. Thanks to his unique talent behind the camera, as well as the impressive list of talent in front of it, this movie became a confusing, beautiful, awesome piece of cinema. So I'll go ahead and let you guys ponder that movie right there. I'm sure you guys can guess what it is. But if you think you know what it is, go ahead and try and watch it next time, uh, before we get back next time. So uh, from IUS TV and the Cinemaniacs, I've been Jack Lindner. Thank you all so much for listening, and happy Halloween! Happy Halloween!